0: the first down at the sixth occurrence.
1: Quick shot, left side, there's Malachi Coy, first guy misses, second guy misses, across the 50, fly to the play, he's free, bye bye, Malachi Coy, up to the races, as they set before the break, 94 yards and a cloud of dust, for Western Kentucky.
0: a team that won 12 games a year ago,
1: got the Mountain West Championship game. season. a powerful opener, open but it's Chanty, who slips a tackle, runs up wheel, passed to Chanty, touchdown! Four-point first down and 10, looking for that end zone, he's got Harvey, and that's a catch for a touchdown! Old Dominion breaks the ice, with 7.05 to go here in the fourth, and Javon Harvey holds in touchdown number two on the year. The G5
0: High. G5 all the time. Hello and welcome to the G5 Hive episode two on this uh, Labor Day day. Um, hey, Justice, how are you? I'm doing all right, man.
1: How did week just, one just go?
0: <laughs> just day, uh, how did week one go? Um, it
1: went okay. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, it went okay for me. Um, I actually... Think I might. I know I didn't go undefeated, but I won most of my matchups, so
0: that I'm was
1: a, positive.
0: I'm definitely watching this Clemson Duke game. I'm going up against Will Shipley and Cade Clubnik So that muff punt a little bit ago and touchdown to Clubnik uh, to Shipley. Not not a fan of. So I've got about twenty points left. So let's see if I can pull one out, but. I always,
1: feel like week, I, was gonna say, I always feel like week one's really stressful, right? Just, I don't know.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of unknown. Even though we put a lot of time and effort into figuring out as much as we can, there's still a lot that we don't know. And that's what we're here to try to help is uh, come up with actionable content, especially all around G5 news. So here on episode two of the G5 Hive, where we aim to bring you all the honey and goods on G5 college football justice. Where can uh, people find your work or Twitter? Uh, My
1: Twitter is at justice underscore two, three, one, eight. You can find my work on campus to Canton. Um, It's mostly IDP work on the college side. Um, I do. I did some preseason stuff for uh, the CFF um, with some rankings and, helping write the CFF guide. Um, and then I also do a podcast that strictly talks about IDP, uh, Debbie IDP grind.
0: And then you can find me at Probasco Luke on Twitter. I've got a sub stack out there where I haven't been writing much lately because we're into the swing of things. And Justice and I decided to start the G5 hive. So I want to give you guys as much of my attention as possible. Um, also have my own home Podcast league for my. I've got a group of nine other guys that we do a home C2C league. Pretty uh, interesting since most of the people in C2C are kind of all over. These people are, I either went to college or high school with. Um, and that is called the Casuals to Degenerates uh, podcast. So if you want to go give that a follow, feel free. It's all about our league, trades, etc. So we're going to get right into it. What do you the swarm need to know our news and notes from around the league? SMU is on the move to the ACC. They're not going to get any media revenue for seven years. That Atlantic coast conference and SMU, um, I don't know if the, it'll just be like a golf conference and then you'll have, you know, your California's, So it's just like a water conference. I'm not exactly (laughs) sure what what they're going to name that. Right. (laughs) Um, I mean,
1: you know, the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean Touch, right?
0: So. (laughs) The Ocean Conference. (laughs) Um, Something I was watching. uh, I think it was Washington State. And then I was watching San Jose State. And it was interesting because they interviewed the Pac-12 commissioner and she had been or not the mountain west commissioner and she had been at the washington state game and then for colorado state and then she was the next day oregon state at san jose state and I can only assume it wasn't just to watch Colorado State and San Jose State, but there's probably some conversations as uh, things were probably offered or at least talked about uh, over the weekend. So let's see if something happens there with Oregon State and uh, Washington State maybe joining the Mountain West. The
1: interesting thing, and I don't know the answer to this question, is would it be more beneficial to the Mountain West teams – to join Washington State and Oregon State and be called the Pac-12 because of the potential automatic tie-in to the uh, to the playoffs.
0: Well, or I think that go it would, away now that there's only two Pac-12 teams? I don't know. The I answer. think it would, I think it would behoove the Pac-12 teams to go to the Mountain West because the Pac-12 doesn't have a TV deal right now, and the Mountain West does with CBS. So one's got a TV deal and one doesn't. So I would say it'd probably behoove people to to stay there. Yeah, but
1: that automatic playoff spot, that's a that's a big deal, I feel. Um, yeah. So
0: I guess I, it, I, I don't know how, right. how, how that works. It'll be interesting to see. So I'm sure that will be more to come throughout the year. Um, big piece of news, uh, Mackay Corley um taken Early in mini drafts, he was carted off, um, but it's a bruised sternum, is what we're being told, and he should be fine moving forward. Yeah, I noticed Fantrax even took off the uh, the the red flag off
1: him today. So,
0: not that that's, that's
1: anything official, but you know, I know, like you said, Corley Corley posted a tweet basically saying, you know, he's 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 good to go. You just bruised.
0: Then we got Ryan Berger injured, out for three to four weeks at App State, um, with a hand injury, and Aguilar is now yeah. the starter. So Should something to on there.
1: He looked pretty good last week too, right? When he came in for a burger. So I mean, I don't know. Like it sucks to like lose a job that way, but I think you know if, if Aguilar comes in and plays really well, it's certainly possible that he
0: he's plus you he got a new a head coach. Yeah. Um gotta make an impression. So not really tied down to anyone, I don't think. The the other big piece of news that I would say sent shockwaves to people's teams, especially mine, was uh Curtis Rorick Zero.
1: <laughs>
0: Curtis Rorick and Sam Wiggles did not play. The Rorick, it's like okay, that's been out there. He might not play. He's gonna play. We talked about it a little bit last week. But then Sam Wiggles, no one had this one. No,
1: I took out a zero for all. him in a league.
0: Yeah. So I play in two leagues that have the fan tracks swap. Hopefully, I've never. Uh, this is my first year playing with those, so hopefully that works. But kind of wishing my other leagues uh, had them. <laughs>
1: I, I have I have some leagues that have them. Um, I always I always forget to do them because you have to do it like. So you'd have had to do it a Thursday, Monday, Thursday morning last week because there was Thursday night yep. games. But um, but I'm in a lot of IDP leagues, and you can't you can't do it in IDP leagues because fan track scoring is so bad for IDP that it would constantly be changing your starting lineup. And in all my leagues, I have a tool that scores the IDP. Well. If your the auto sub changes your lineup, then I don't know what your real lineup was. You know what I mean? So yeah, for that reason, we don't we don't use it in any of the IDP leagues because you you know it's going to affect both offense and defense.
0: The other big piece of news is there was a lot of people excited about seeing Braylon Braxton at Tulsa play. He had an ankle injury and he was. He had that sprained and was not able to put any weight on it and was seen in a walking boot on the sidelines. So the plan was for Williams to go in on the third or fourth drive even before the injury, um, but he took over and did pretty well for the entire game. So,
1: right, and it didn't help that Braxton looked terrible. <laughs> for
0: yeah, the, 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 the he didn't last long. He was in there. No, what, he, what was he like? He like, Two One interception. For nine, and
1: they had two interceptions. Two interceptions. So, uh, and Cardell came in there and looked great. So,
0: so that's something to monitor going forward. And then Cyrus Allen suffered an ankle injury and did not play the second half. So, um, wide receiver room is is wide open there. That we talked about last
1: week, right? Like Smoke Harris was the man, and he was the man again in terms of targets and receptions for him. So, Law
0: Tech, if uh, you're not aware, try to try to I'll uh, try to remember to use teams as as oh, yeah. people become yeah. more more and more uh, familiar. That's uh, one daunting thing about we have a lot of people that play just Power Five because there's so much with the G5. We're here to help. We're here to help. So last thing we want to highlight some teams from the G5 give them their moment in the sun one don't play at Laramie yeah. Texas Tech loses to Wyoming late night uh, Saturday um, so what
1: double overtime it was I think
0: I think it was double overtime so Wyoming putting some points on Texas Tech Texas Tech did not look all that great so that's nerve-wracking a little bit for Texas Tech fans. We don't have to worry about here as our uh, G5 hive. But Wyoming did look a little bit better than uh, they have in years past. Fresno State with a big win over Purdue. And yes. Texas State with a big win over Baylor. You love it when these Power 5 teams pay lots of money, millions of dollars, have... <laughs> to And then they get beat. The worst has to be Texas Tech, because you don't even play at Texas. like You have to go to Wyoming and then lose and pay them money. Yeah. So (laughs) that's a double whammy. So congratulations to Texas State, Fresno State, and Wyoming here in week one. That's all that the Swarm needs to know. Let's get on to the nectar, a.k.a. the good stuff. This week's topics... We're going to recap our week one look aheads. So, last week, if you were with us, uh, Justice and I had a list of things that we were looking for in week one and projecting and seeing, you know, there's a lot of information together here in week one. What did we learn? South Florida quarterback situation. We were curious about that. Justice, what happened there?
1: Uh, Byron Brown was a starter, right? So, like, Heck yeah, dis- he was. Dis- despite, um, all the hubbub and and, and support for Jerry Bohannon from him kind of being the face of the team to going to the media days, et cetera. Um, Ultimately, like in my opinion, the talent went out and Byron Brown was a starter and I I thought he played well um, in that, in that new offense. Um, I I think he's, I think he's the better upside option for sure. Uh, And
0: he's younger. So if you're in a dynasty league, uh, take a, take a look at Byron Brown. The next thing we were curious about was the SMU wide receiver situation. And, boy, what a mess that is going to be for fantasy owners. If if week one is an indication, I was excited for that game. There was a lot less points than I was hoping. The only thing that I got out of it was if you own R.J. Maryland, well, he looked good at tight end for you.
1: Yep, yep. I mean, I talked about it last week that, like, I didn't own any Jordan Curley because I just felt like his price was really too high. Um, and I, you know, that, I wasn't at one point was great. Yeah. I wasn't sold on him being the man, I, you know, but like you said, the, the takeaway is the RJ Maryland, Maryland, you know, in a tight end required league. He looked great. Um, other than that, they just, they spread the ball around a lot. And I don't, I don't know that that's going to change.
0: And then the next thing we were looking at was the North Texas quarterback situation. Stone Earl versus Chandler Rogers. Earl started and he looked better than Rogers. Any, any more takeaways there justice?
1: Um, No. I mean, I I had originally heard that they were going to play all three Earl Rogers and and, uh, Jace Reuter, but they never, I don't believe they ever played Reuter. Um, Rogers did not look good in the time that he did get in. So I fully expect that it's Stone Earl's job moving forward.
0: Uh, UTSA wide receiver situation. uh, We're just looking at the health of Clark and Cephas. um, But Clark was a game-time decision, according to Jeff Taylor, um, at the beginning of the week. Well, Clark did not play. um, So the only reliable wide receiver was Dante Cephas. Josh Cephas or josh sorry josh the uh Clark is supposed to be back here for week two so they say I don't you know. know you never know
1: Clark I think it's is a situation expected. like you need to let him play before you put him in your lineups yeah yep for sure i mean it's assume i would assume you have better or at least safer options right like so that's what I'm gonna do where I own Clark. i'm gonna i'm gonna wait to see him play for a week before i you know go start him
0: then Western Kentucky, we were curious, after Malachi Corley, what are we looking for? Well, we got we got to look at that a little bit. we got to look without Malachi, right, after he got yeah. hurt. So Dalvin Smith was the wide receiver, too, also tight end uh, designation. So if you've got him, great cheat code to play in your uh, tight end situation. Blue Smith was the wide receiver, 3 And Matheson was on the sideline with crutches. Doesn't look like he will be back anytime soon. Sad face for my uh, Matheson shares. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, like, they've been... I mean, I think it was common knowledge that he was hurt. Um, But, like, there's really no details and no length of time. Um, And so, I feel like it... I don't know. I'm probably... Unless it's a super deep league, I'm, I'm cutting bait with Matheson, right? Because it's very possible he could miss the whole year.
0: Yeah, not great. Liberty quarterback situation, another thing that we're looking at at week one, Salter versus Bennett. Salter looked good, relative, and uh, kind of excited to see what Chadwell does here with Salter going forward.
1: Yeah, I think he was, the again, the more upside, better options. So I'm glad to see that uh, he won the job. And like I say, he looked decent. And Liberty's schedule's fairly weak. So uh, definitely yeah, we'll, someone
0: I, I'm interested in. And we will talk, touch on that a little bit later tonight. Central Michigan quarterback situation. Bert Emanuel versus Jason Bauer. Emanuel started and got the majority of the snaps. I was under the impression that he Emanuel would be uh, just in and some packages, but he got the start and played the majority. So
1: yeah, I mean Bauer. I want to say he was like two for four or something like that in the game. Um, I watched. I, wa- I watched a good bit of the game, but Emmanuel was the QB when I was watching it. Uh, Bauer wasn't in at all. And you know so, they're going against Michigan State, so yeah. Know, I, I you know I wouldn't have expected either one of them to kind of light the world on fire just given the. The talent difference between the two schools.
0: So Burt had 17 attempts in the game, while Jace had uh, eight. Um, Bauer only had nine yards, while Burt had 87. So but, uh, you hold on
1: these guys. You, you, you have these guys for uh, conference play, right? I mean, the MAC always kind of plays a tough out-of-conference schedule. So these kind of get these the, when you when you draft a MAC guy, it's almost like you have to. You have to understand, like going in, like you're probably not starting them the first couple weeks because they usually, they're usually in those those money games, right? And so, um, you're waiting for that maxing to start where you're going to see the the true benefit of those players.
0: Texas State. This was a lot of people were on the Hornsby train. Uh, Finley comes in as a late transfer. Who's going to be that Texas State quarterback? And what is that wide receiver situation going to look like? Well, Finley got all of the snaps. Uh, he had 30 attempts, almost pat- two yards shy of 300, um, three touchdowns. So, not too, not too shabby there.
1: Now he doesn't offer anything on the ground, right? But um, I mean, I think ultimately what they would like, right, is they want they want Finley's passing ability and then Hornsby's rushing ability. But you know. They got, they got to take what they can get for right now.
0: And then Texas State wide receivers. The wide receivers to own, Joey Hobert, Co Wilson, and Ashton Hawkins. Uh, Bo Corrales was not dressed on Saturday. So, Hawkins had eight targets. Hobert had eight targets. Wilson had six targets. Um, so... Those are those the three. Again, uh, Hobart had 105 yards receiving. Cole Wilson had 65, and Ashton Hawkins had 58. Yeah, Not I mean, too bad. overall. I, no,
1: I, I, would, I, I mean, I feel like Ashton Hawkins is probably owned in most leagues. Uh, yep. But, but if, you know, if I'm looking for someone on the, on the waiver wire, um, of, the, of the other two, Hobart would be the one that I think I would probably lean towards.
0: And interestingly enough, um, Hobert had the least amount of A dot of the three of those at eleven point four, but also had the most uh, yak at four yak per reception, I should say. So interesting there. Keep your eyes there on Joey Hobert, Coastal Carolina. We talked about Liberty and Jamie Chadwell going over to uh, Liberty. Like I mentioned there. But what is Coastal Carolina offense going to look like with a new head coach and an OC? We talked about it a little bit. You thought one player, I thought another. You nailed it, man. You got it.
1: I got it.
0: it. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's week one. I'll take my victory laps. Let's go. Let's uh, circle the wagons. But uh, Pickney was the man for Coastal. He had 18 targets. uh, Led, actually. I would assume he probably leads leads the NCAA a fake, in targets. I right
1: think he led everybody sure. in targets.
0: So, I mean, 18, probably not sustainable, but uh, good to see there. The X wide receiver uh, in both of those, head coach and OC's uh, offenses, features that X. So the running game was an RBBC um, and was not all that effective. Any other things you want to take away from the Coastal Carolina game?
1: Um. No, not really. I mean, Jared Brown was usable, right? Um, the I, I don't know. Like if I if I own a part of the one of those running backs, I'm probably and again unless it's a super deep league, I'm dropping them. I just feel like you know none of them really stood out to me. Um, now the game script didn't help either, right? I mean, towards the end there, they were they were down pretty big, and you know their their offensive lines probably not. Their offensive line wasn't able to match up very well against the UCLA defensive line, um, and so that impacted the game. But we'll see how they do when they, you know, play another G five school.
0: And then, can JMU repeat last year's success? McLeod, probably your quarterback moving forward. Barnett also got in there. Um, well, he had eleven. Start the game, but yep.
1: he he didn't look
0: good. So, Barnett was 11 pass attempts, McLeod 11 pass attempts, Brett Griffiths two pass attempts, while McLeod had 144 yards passing to Barnett's 15. So, I mean, if McLeod's not the quarterback going into week two, I mean, what are we
1: doing? Uh, right. Yeah. I, and I think last week I mentioned like the only piece of the offense I was overly interested in was Kalen Black, and he did pretty well with with the. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't get like a workman's load, but I think he had twelve carries. But I mean, he looked good for the the carries he did get. He looked like the best running back.
0: Yeah, and he, like you said, he did a lot with him. So, um, Keon his touches, he had twelve total touches in the game, while uh, Latrell Palmer had ten. And Black had 125 yards, uh, compared to Palmer's 45. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're right, Black was the guy to, guy to own there. Then, uh, Reggie Brown. Oh, do you have more on Keon Black? No, No, I
1: was gonna talk about the right receiver situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, go okay. ahead. No,
1: I was just gonna say, Reggie Brown, like, you know, he looked like their best receiver, but he had very limited touches. And I just feel like regardless of who's the quarterback is, either Barrett or um, um, McLeod, like I don't, you know, I don't expect either one of them to be able to produce Todd Santeo passing numbers.
0: Yeah. I'm going to let you take this one. You were curious on what that new offense for ODU would look like.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, so I didn't go to the game. The game was at Tech. Um, I watched the whole game. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me, at least from the offensive side of the ball, was the offensive line for Old Dominion is terrible. Um, they could not. They could not pass block at all. Um, they were they did okay run blocking, uh, but I think, I think a lot of that, so. A lot of the production came from Grant Wilson. Last year, ODU's quarterback was Hayden Wolf. Hayden Wolf was allergic to running. I, I, I don't <laughs> know what else to say. Like he would he would, you know, do the RPO, but he would hand it off every single time. And so I think or I suspect that you know, Virginia Tech, you know, was watching that film and you know, assuming Grant Wilson would do the same thing, and that's not what happened. Grant Wilson would like, he had lots of room to run. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see how teams adjust to that um, moving forward. Right. Um, Wilson did not look great passing the ball, but you know, part of that's on him, part of that's on the offensive line. Um, He overthrew guys deep. Um, He had guys wide open and and missed them. Uh, Yeah. Just, I don't know. I think. Again, I think people were – I said this numerous times to people in chats or, you know, in, in Discord or whatever, but I think people were just too high. Like, they, their expectations weren't realistic. Uh, from a talent level, this Old Dominion team is not, not that great. And so I fully expect it to be similar to Colorado State of last year or even maybe like Hawaii of last year.
0: Sometimes it takes a year to get – you know, your guys in there.
1: Um and the, then teach the, them what
0: you need to know. The the one other big takeaway was the running
1: back situation. And uh you know, I thought Kadarius Callaway, Callaway would be the man, the man, but it was Kashawn Wicks who looked, looked the best. Callaway was like the fourth Callaway running back to get in the game. To get the game. And once he got into the game, he, the he game,
0: properly fumbled and,
1: and and that was it for him. That was it for him.
0: The next piece of uh, that we were looking at was George Holani versus Ashton Ginty. There at Boise State, Holani was injured with a lower body injury, uh, but Ginty had 14 touches compared to Holani's 12. But Ginty had 93 more total yards, so he looked he looked great out there. Had a nice stiff arm, um, run to the left side of the line, and uh, scampered into the end zone on a run. Um, looked explosive in the passing game. They need to get Genki as involved as they can, and I think they could run away with this Mountain West.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sucks for Holani like that he got injured, but it was great for Genki, right? I think I think is the more talented back, in my personal opinion. So,
0: and I own I own way more shares of him than I do Halani. So, it's, <laughs> so it's- I. I, I concur. So, uh, starting quarterback for Air Force, can JLE the third replace Brad Roberts? That's what we were curious. But uh, Zach Lear, is that how you uh, say that?
1: I would say it's Larry,
0: Lar- Larry, Larry. R or Larry. R. <laughs> uh, he turned out to be the starting quarterback and he had a lot of, of runs. I think he only had three passing attempts. Um so Jensen Jones played running back um and JLE the third had sixty-two yards on four touches, which pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They spread the ball around a lot. And so I don't know that you're gonna see much different this coming week. I'm pretty sure they play in FCS school, and so I expect a pretty big rotation again.
0: And um Sorry, JLE is a John Lee Eldridge the third. Is that's a mouthful. So, Fresno State. Now this, this was something exciting. Um, new head coach. Um, or yeah, new OC. Is that what it was? New head coach.
1: Uh, it's not a new head coach. They can't. I think they were so, both there last year. I think.
0: Right. It was a new OC. The OC was there, but then the head the normal OC went to Missouri or Missouri, depending on where you are at in Missouri, Missouri. Um, But Mikey Keene, he looked pretty darn good. He was uh, the player of the week for the Mountain West this week. Played played pretty darn good. Josiah Friedman did nothing, only had a couple – just a couple snaps, was that right, Justice? Yeah, I
1: think, I think like two snaps, maybe, in one target or something.
0: There. He, so he not, was everyone's
1: wide receiver one preseason.
0: So not exactly sure. There's got to be something more to that. So that leads me to Eric Brooks. He looks like the wide receiver one, but let's I mean, granted, Brooks had a majority of his snaps in the in the slot, which is not. Freeman, where is he normally at the slot? I
1: don't know where Freeman lines up. Um, I'd have to look back at last season's stats to
0: figure that out. But So that's something you might want to pump the brakes on the Eric Brooks, uh, going out and getting him on waivers, but something maybe just to wait another week. Um, if you're bought in, go ahead, but that's just something I'd be I'd be wary of. And then Elijah Gilliam led the backfield. There's a lot of talk about Strahd to be the guy. He did get the touchdown, but Gilliam, Gilliam was uh, the man there in the backfield. I'm, I'm a
1: little, but, probably, I'm a little more cautious on the running back situation. I would say than I am Eric Brooks. Um, and the reason why I'm cautious is Damian Moore is still injured, and when he comes back, who knows what that could do? Right? Maybe uh, he he takes over the Gilliam role. I don't know.
0: The other thing was Gilliam had 21 touches com- compared to Sherrod's nine. Maybe, maybe Devon uh, Rivers, the legacy of the Rivers there at Fresno State, will get some run too uh, later in the season. Maybe not as good as his brother Ronnie. No, he's a true freshman too. So, so the other, th- the last thing that we are curious about going into Week One was this offense at UNLV the new go go offense Justice and I were talking a little bit uh, last night in preparation for this and, and Justice you, you might want to label the go go offense a little differently what was your your the thought
1: no, the no go offense the no
0: go offense did not just, did yeah. not look great
1: well no that like i mean just look at the a dot of the receivers yeah, that didn't look great at all <laughs>
0: Yeah, so DeJesus, he had four receptions, four targets, fifty yards with an eight out of negative one. And then Ricky White, a lot of people were big on Ricky White. He had a couple boom weeks uh, at the beginning of this year. Last year, uh, he had two receptions on five targets for five yards. So, that not great. Then we had Brumfield and. Mavia, Mavia oh, yeah, yeah. Both, they both, both uh, play. they played uh, Brumfield with 11 attempts compared to Mavia's five, and then it was 86 versus 40 for yards. So, not not a lot um, going there at the UNLV offense. The no go offense starting now until until we're seen otherwise. That was all the things that we were looking for in week one. It didn't disappoint. We had a great week one. But now we want to look at our top producers for the G5 in our season to date. So we're going to break this up. Uh, Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends is how we're going to do this. And then we have criteria for each of these. So – as I uh, filibuster here for one second while I get everything up together, we uh, have two little pieces that were little pieces to the puzzle to help you guys or to figure out how we're going to categorize these. So we're going to look at attempts. If you're at a quarterback, if you're throwing a whole bunch of balls, that's volume. Volume is king in college. So we're looking at how many, how many attempts are you doing? And then your yards per game because obviously the more yards you throw in a game should correlate to you know how many attempts, but that's how you get all your points. You don't get a points for uh, just attempts. You get them for completion, so I want to know how, how many yards you are getting a game. We'll then talk about our running backs. Again, volumes king, total touches. So that'll be wide, uh, receptions and rushes, and then um, total yards per game. And then wide receivers will be our targets and our yards per game. Touchdowns are not a sticky stat, but you targets are earned. And if you're getting targeted, you're doing something right. Whether you're getting schemed, you're getting yourself open. So those are the things we want to look at. And then tight ends, again, targets, yards per game. And then I went and added a dot because I want to know is my tight end just like around the line of scrimmage? Is he a safety blanket or is he actually running routes? So we'll kinda of go from there. And Justice, I will let you take over our quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. So as Luke was saying, we kind of have two criteria here for the quarterbacks. And the quarterbacks we're going to mention check both boxes. So we looked at the top 20 in attempts. And the top 20 in yards per game. And guys that check both of those boxes um, are guys we're going to talk about. So the number one was Austin Reed. He's tied for the lead in attempts at 50. And he was fourth in yards per game with 336 yards. Next up is E.J. Warner. He was tied with Austin Reed in those um, attempts with 50. He was fifth in yards at 299. Next up is uh, Braden Schrager from Hawaii. He played two games, but he is fourth in attempts at 44 attempts per game, second in yards at 352.5 yards per game. And to me, the important thing to know about Hawaii and Schrager is that was against two five teams, right? And so – I would expect those things to only be better, you know, work better against, you know, Mountain West and G5 teams. Absolutely. Um, This Um, next one's a little. Oh, no. I'm sorry. sorry. Skip ahead. Mikey Keene, who we talked about earlier, um, looked phenomenal phenomenal. with uh, Fresno State in that first game, led them to that win over Purdue. He's fourth in attempts with 44. He's number one in yards at 365 yards per game. This next one did surprise me a little bit, but I think it was just kind of the way the game worked out. And that's Grayson McCall. We talked about that earlier against UCLA. UCLA, six attempts at 42 attempts per game and 13th in yards at 241. Uh, this next guy is someone that no one probably had on their bingo card to be on this list at all. And that's uh, Jacob Zeno from UAB. UAB. He's seventh in attempts at forty-one per game, ninth in yards at two hundred ninety-one. So top ten in both categories. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty uh, good. We talked about Taylen Green of Boise State earlier. Earlier, uh, his attempts were up forty attempts. That's good for ninth. Good for ninth. He was on the lower end of the yards at two hundred forty-four. Forty-four uh, was ranked seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, next up, we got the dual threat ability of Dequan Finn from Toledo. Toledo 39 attempts, thirty-nine attempts which brings him tenth brings and two hundred and thirty yard, three yards, which is nineteen. Uh this next guy, also played, next two guy games, also played two games. And they the team hasn't done well, but you know, he well, he's, but he's he's thrown the ball a lot. And that's Hank Bachmeyer with, with, with Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech. He's 10th in attempts at 39 per game and 10th in yards, 286 and a half yards per game. Um, this next one we talked about uh, SMU earlier Preston Stone, and he looked great for SMU this week. this sure did. Spread the ball around a lot to the receivers, which is not so great for your receivers, but it's great if you're a Preston Stone uh, owner. He uh, finished with 38 attempts, which is good for 13th overall. And uh, yards 249, 15th overall. Now, this next gentleman I would have expected higher to be higher on this list preseason. And that's Davis Brennett, Georgia Southern. I mean, they kind of, I feel like they led the NCAA last year in attempts and yards per game. Yards per game. But he was 14th in attempts with 37 and 17th in yards at 244. And these, this next one was maybe a mild surprise. That's Seth Hennigan from Memphis. 36, in attempt, 36 attempts, good for 15th overall. But third overall in yards with 348. I didn't necessarily see that kind of passing uh, yardage coming from Memphis this year. And this last one, I, I would have lost a Alex lot of money. I never a in a million years would have bet that he would, show up, he would show up on this list. And that's Cam Fancher from Marshall. From mm-hmm. Marshall. 35 attempts, Marshall good for 17. Uh, and 268 yards, yards per game, good for 14th overall. 14th overall. And those kind of were the kind uh, of looking from a volume perspective. A volume those are the quarterbacks that check, quarterbacks both check both boxes. And if they're available in your leagues, um, in your um, teams, particularly uh, in deep leagues, and, You know, if you're going like to go after someone like Cam Fancher or Jacob Zeno, uh, the positive side is, you know, they had that volume in week one.
0: And then running backs again, I talked about the total touches and yards per game. So this checked both of the boxes as being top 20s. So we had Jalen Buckley for Western Michigan, had 31 total touches and 197 yards. That was good for number one in the G5 and number two in the G5. And then uh, Kimnani Vidal at Troy, he was uh, 26 touches for 304. So he is two for touches and one for total yards. Marcus Carroll out of Georgia State had 25 touches, third in the G5 with 192 yards, also third in the G5. Jalen White running back from Georgia Southern, uh, 22 touches. That was good for fifth, and 140 yards, good for seventh. Larry McCam McCammon, the third, FAU, 17 touches, that's 17th in the G5 with 184 total yards, which was fifth uh, for total yards in the G5 this week. Thing that I want to note here is that he had four receptions in this game. So in PPR leagues, maybe a a guy to to look at if, if he is not already rostered. Nate Noel out of App State had 24 touches, which was fourth in our touches category, and 114 yards, which was 17th. Jordan Ford, I am blinking where he's out of um, Justice. Do you recall?
1: Um, Jordan Ford is Tulsa. Ford
0: is Tulsa. Tulsa, that's right. Uh, Jordan Ford had 21 touches, which was good for six. Um, 113 yards, good for 18th. Elijah Gilliam, who we talked about at Fresno State, had 21 touches as well, tied for six with 108 total yards, good for 20th. Sutton Smith, um, who is at Memphis, had 20 touches, which was ninth with 118 yards, um, which was 15th. Dion Hankins, um, UTEP, 20 touches, that's good for 12th, 119 and a half yards, or 119 yards, that was good for 14. Naquan Wright, I am blanking where he's out of. Um, South Florida. South Florida. South Florida, there with the Bulls, 19 touches, 12, which was good for 12th, and 118 yards, good for 15th, and then... Good old Rasheen Ali, welcome back to the herd. From the herd is Marshall, nineteen touches, good for twelfth, one hundred and thirty-nine yards, uh, good for eighth. So there was a smattering of of numbers in there, but those were the guys that are getting volume and getting lots of yards. That gives mm-hmm. you direction. If these aren't if these guys aren't owned, make sure you go out, you take a look, sniff around, see what you need. Um, but looks good moving forward.
1: I was going to say like the ones, um, I talked a little bit about Gilliam and I'd be a little cautious on him.
0: Jordan Ford
1: could be another one I could be a little cautious with just because they have Bill Jackson there, Anthony Watkins.
0: Anthony Watkins coming back from, I believe he was out for academic reasons last year. Yeah, and so I just I don't
1: know how much I trust Ford. I, I, I want to I see it again before I put my faith in him.
0: I am really interested in Sutton Smith. I'd like to see how that continues to play out. And, yeah, a really uh, crowded running back room in Memphis. They have a lot of talented guys. They, a lot of talented guys. They, they do. Justice, you want to talk about some wide receivers?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: so the, the, the receivers, the, the categories we're looking at are
1: targets and yards per game. And uh, the number one guy is uh, Luke's call from last week from Coastal Carolina, Sam Peatney. He had uh, 18 targets, which was number one overall for the G5, and I'm pretty sure for the NCAA. And he had 138 uh, yards, which is sec- good for second. Good for second. Um, next up is the guy that played Week Zero and didn't play Week One. Played Week One. Otherwise, he'd have two games. That's Sam Wiggles. Sam from Ohio. Ohio. Uh, first game in Week Zero. He had 15 targets. 15 targets. Ranked third and 103 yards, which is ranked 13th. Next up was the uh, basically the man the receiver receiver for uh, UTSA, and that was Joshua Joshua, Peefus. He had 14 targets, good for fifth overall, and 123 yards, also good for fifth overall. So It'll be interesting to see when Clark comes back, if he can kind of sustain sustain that same level of volume or maybe maybe we'll spread out out between him and Clark a little little bit more. Uh, Eric Brooks is up next. We talked about him earlier from Fresno State. He had 12 targets, which is, good for, Knight, which is good for night. Uh, he led the uh, G5 in yards with 170. Uh, next up is Dalvin Smith. We talked about earlier from Western Kentucky. If you're in a league that uh, requires a tight end and you have Dalvin Smith as a tight end, well, like that could be a you know that's a it's a, a huge boost to you and and you're scoring given uh, how light tight ends other than maybe the top two or three are. Two or three are. But uh, Dalvin Smith was had eleven targets, good for tenth overall, and ninety-seven yards, which was seventeenth. Um, next up is a guy that's played two games and smoke Harris. We talked about him both weeks in Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech averaging ten and a half targets per game, which is good for thirteenth overall, and a hundred and a half yards, which is good for thirteenth overall. Um, this next gentleman has also played two games and, <laughs> and And if by some miracle he's still available on your waiver wire, you should go out and get him immediately, in my opinion. He was also my player of the week this week uh, for the G5. And Ashlock from Hawaii. Uh, It's pretty clear to me he is the wide receiver one there in that run and shoot offense. Shoot offense. He had 10 targets, uh, which is good. Two targets per game, which is good for 14th overall, and 125 yards per game, which is good for 4th overall. And again, like I said earlier, that was against two power five teams. And the last person we have for you, um, a bit of surprise, I think, for this list.
0: Absolutely. Is
1: Bell out of Nevada. Out of Nevada, he was on uh, had nine targets, which is good for nine 17th overall, and 121 and 100 yards, which is good for eighth eight overall. And I think the surprising thing is not necessarily Bell's talent, but Britton Lewis is the quarterback there. The and the quarterback when there. we last and saw Lewis, was last he, was at Lewis was Colorado. Colorado. he was Colorado. He was run, 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 and run, run some more. So 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 it's good to
0: see him be able to
1: throw the ball a little bit.
0: Justice talked a little bit about Ashlock being his player of the week for week 1 here in 2023. Go check us out on Twitter or at the G5 Hive. You'll see my player of the week, Chris Mitchell uh for Florida International Golden Panthers. They get the win against Maine 14 to 12. He had 11 targets, nine receptions and 201 yards there and uh
1: he Scored 50 plus points in PPR leagues. In PPR leagues. I, I, so, I lost I lost the game lost, because of I him. Because I didn't have that on, I that on the bingo card.
0: That probably not gonna see something like that. They looked pretty miserable there uh week, week
1: zero. zero. Yeah, would they have like so, six total yards in week zero yeah, passing, yard it was
0: passing yard Not not looking great. So there again is the targets and your yards again. Targets are earned. So that uh,
1: not not to change the subject, but Shamari Lawrence, um, you know what a difference one week week makes, right? He was like the man in week zero, yeah. and this week he didn't really do too much. I think that's just that's just the way the Florida International offense is. I think, and I, I just don't think those guys are going to be consistent.
0: Moving on to tight ends, again we're going to go volume, targets, yards per game, and then eight dots. So I didn't put this in ranks because it's tight ends. They're mixed in there with with receivers. So Tanner Colsey at a Ball State, uh, ten targets. He had sixty six yards, an yards and an eight out of seven point three. David Martin Robinson at a Temple, eight receptions or eight targets, fifty one yards and an eight out of seven. Neil Johnson out of Louisiana Lafayette, eight targets, 38 yards, eight out of seven. Cade Conley out of Marshall. The Herd had themselves a day. He had seven targets, also had seven receptions for 79 yards, and eight out of 4.6. Dallin Holker, this, this is the guy. If he's out there on your waivers, we'll get to it later. Uh, make sure you uh, scoop up Holker. Uh, six targets, 47 yards, and eight out of 11.2. He's there at Colorado State, previously at Utah, right? Is that correct or BYU? Holker was from BYU. was from BYU. BYU. Um, then goes over to Colorado State, where you got, um, why am I blanking on the coach name, Norvell? There that, yep. Um, likes to use the tight end. So then we've got Justin Jolly, UConn. He had six targets for 38 yards and eight out of 9.2. We talked about him earlier, RJ, Maryland, SMU, five targets, 58 yards, eight out of 7.8. Then it gets a little interesting. So we had the upset. We had Wyoming over Texas Tech. Trenton Welsh and John Michael Glennonborg each were productive for Wyoming. You've got Welch with five targets for 31 yards and eight out of 13.2. That's that's running routes. When I think of Wyoming, I think of running the ball, but he had eight out of 13.2, and then you've got Glennonborg with Six targets, 37 yards, and an eight out of 8.2. So, seems like I didn't get to watch much of that game, but it seems like based off the stats, a lot of two tight ends make sense with they like to run the ball, but they were running down the field for routes. So, um, really like to see that. Sorry, watching a little bit of this Duke game. Riley Leonard with a big run touchdown. Not looking good here for my second half. Uh, Shipley, uh, shares. I got to keep them down, keep them down. Um, Harold Fannin Jr. at a Bowling Green had five targets, 29 yards with an eight out of nine. And Jerear Getzinger, Eastern Michigan, uh, five targets, 33 yards. And four point six eight dot. So, got a lot of targets, but not really down the field. It seems more like a blanket type guy check down. There's a lot of tight ends there that I just gave you in just the G5 alone. You've got other places who don't want to talk about tight ends at all. Power five, G5. We don't want them. Here's a couple. Here, I just gave you two, four, six, eight. 10, 11 tight end names here at the G five, so we got you covered here, at the G five five.
1: The uh, anything the one, you
0: want to add? Anything you want to add, Justice?
1: The one thing I wanted to mention that we didn't talk about in the news, and I I, I completely forgot, but when you were talking about Colorado State, uh, Clay Millen got injured this week. I can't seem to find Yeah here. Can't find any updates on like what the situation is, but you know, kind of pay attention um, if you have him going forward with what's going on with his injury. He's. The I believe they have a bye this week. Yeah, that's true. They have a right, You're right. They do have a bye this week, right. so we so you won't have to worry about it. But they, they can
0: they can try to figure things out here after going 0 and 2 and not looking too much better than they did last year. So wasn't it it was um, Nico, Nico Fowler, Fowler and then he has a
1: third name but I don't remember it off top of my head.
0: Yeah, give me a
1: second. I'll uh I'll grab that here. Well, he's looking that up. Um, yeah, that up. um we're, gonna we're going to move on targets, to our waiver uh, targets uh for this week for you guys now. You guys we're now, kind of had to, to establish a criteria in terms of just, otherwise we could just give you all kinds of names kind of looked ownership just if
0: i got that name okay i got that name and i wish i wouldn't have looked it up um Fowler nicolosi yeah yeah so doozy. He, he threw for 210 game. yards and two touchdowns so
1: and, and i think people said the offense looked better when he came in too so i didn't see the games so a dot
0: was so I don't know. his a dot was 7.9 versus uh, Clay Millen at four. Time oh, to throw yeah. was about the same. So,
1: there you go. So the, uh, there you go. So, back to the uh, waiver wire targets. Uh, uh, targets uh, we looked targets at Fantrax ownership, and fan tracks all ownership, of these guys had an ownership guys of 30% or, 30% or less. So, there's going to be guys that, be might, guys be that, that might be ads better ads in your league. But they their ownership overall on fan track was higher overall, than 30%. So we try to kind of focus on that and to give, on you that. Some, uh, give you guys here some name here for waiver wire ads. And, and, and the first, guys, sort of first quarterbacks guy quarterback sort starting of quarterbacks first. And the first guy yeah, is Byron Brown, is uh, Byron 26% Brown. Owned. owned. As we said earlier, 34%, and first earlier, 169 34%. Yards, uh, yards in, touchdown. in touchdown. So, So. Yeah.
0: He also had a lot there to add up with his legs he Had 187 yards rushing. So dual threat. 187
1: yards rushing or is it 87 yards rushing?
0: 87 yards rushing. I forgot oh, you go on to the next one. I'll look up. <laughs> okay. Well, no, that, that just seems a lot to me. That but I, lot. Could but um, I could be wrong. Um,
1: next is uh, TJ Finley, we talked about, about earlier. About um, earlier. He's the quarterback for he's that quarterback uh, Texas Tech offense. Uh, offense. He's only owned by five percent. I think most people, most people are in on Malik Hornsby. and not very many people drafted. One hundred
0: and sixty yards rushing. One hundred and sixty. Yes, for Byron.
1: Awesome. The next quarterback we've talked about several times tonight, and that's Mikey King, president of state. He's only owned in 12% of your leagues. Uh, This next guy really Uh, shocks me, I feel like he should be owned more than this, and that's Braden Shager
0: in Hawaii. He's only owned in 19% of leagues. Love it. If you get that, think what some leagues could be. If they have that Shager – Ashlock, stack. Yeah. In some leagues yeah. like you could be getting like right now they're playing power 5 teams and you're getting like 50 points from them. Like I wouldn't be surprised to get like a 70 point week from those two once this year.
1: Yeah. I would like say when they get into conference play for sure, conference play for
0: sure. And then you've got Shager who's a junior. So he's got an, presumably will use another season. Pressure. Ashlock, uh, red shirt freshman, so something to invest in.
1: And the last quarterback we have for you is Caden Salter. Is He's Salter. only owned eighteen percent the leagues. The league. He uh, had twenty attempts and two, 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 two resting two yards. And you want to talk about that schedule? Liberty. About that schedule. Liberty.
0: Yeah, so they've got New Mexico State. Not that hard. Buffalo. Buffalo threw the ball around a lot. That could be a fun game. FIU can't tackle.
1: No, and they're not
0: good. good. Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. That could be a fun one. Louisiana Tech, ODU, UMass, UTEP. There's no teams on there that really scare you. They should be a favorite. In about every game, maybe not the Western Kentucky game. That'll probably be the toughest matchup for them. Um, but yeah, but it, that it could be a shootout. It could be a shootout. So that that would be uh, that would be fun there. Um, again, running backs under thirty percent owned here in Fan Tracks that we want to call out. Marcus Carroll talked about him in the segment before out of Georgia State. Now, do you want to talk about him as a quarterback? Do you want to talk about it as a running back? You got Air Force, Zach uh, Lair, 3% owned. Some think, might say he's a cheat code. No, I don't know if it he matters.
1: Has, he has running back eligibility, right? And so, like, if you can use him, I mean, I don't know that it's a super big cheat code, right? Because essentially, because essentially, from a stats perspective, he's like a running back, right? And so... But um, if you can start him at running backs, uh, yeah, he's he's a good, solid choice there. solid choice there.
0: Yep, and he had two completions and a touchdown, so getting those extra yards or three completions. So getting those extra yards uh, will help. Then we've got Jalen Buckley, 6% owned, uh, Western Michigan there in Kalamazoo. They ran a lot of plays. They ran a lot of plays. Wasn't it was like 93 some, or 98? Yeah, 90, 99. 92, something. It was unbelievable. But I'm going to pull up. And he their, was like their 31 carries here being, for 200-some yards? 200-some yards. Yeah, he had uh, 193 rushing yards on 30 attempts. They also had another running back there who didn't meet. The yards threshold, but was a volume. He had 21 touches in the game, and that was Zaire Abduas Salam. Um, But they ran so many plays. I'm going to go with Buckley right now. Yeah, absolutely. And he's Uh, a true freshman.
1: He's a true freshman.
0: So. I, I was then, shocked.
1: I, I thought Keyshawn King would be the man for them.
0: I think he got hurt or a little banged up in this one, so something to monitor. But I don't know if he'll get much. We'll see. We'll see how this offense plays. If they have 90 plays a game, there'll be plenty to go around.
1: I, I do have a league where I do own Jalen Buckley, and I, so, and I owned him like before now. and a half. It was just a dart throw, it, it's, and it's a uh, it was a
0: um, – Map only league, but Mac still league,
1: but it's still. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: it's nice I nice think it's nice throw there. And then I'm cheating a little bit, but Blake Watson, ODU, pay homage to justice. He's at Memphis now. I'm paying paying homage to, to justice here. He's owned in 33%, so he's just over that threshold. But go out, check him out. He had five receptions in this a game. And had 15 touchdowns, or uh, touchdowns. Wow, that would be great. He had 15 touches. So I really want to see my running backs getting 20 touches or right around that. 15, not bad. But out of a 33% owned running back, you're getting 15 touches. PPR leagues, five receptions a game. He had 126 yards and three touchdowns um, in this game. Sutton is there. He had 20 touches, but he only had two receptions. So Watson could be used out of the backfield um, lineup. He was originally, if I'm remembering correctly, he was a receiver. Um, high he was a, he was a receiver. So yep. we talked about Thess, Thess, Seth Hennigan as kind of being one of those names that we didn't kind of believe week one was up there. It could be something. It could be something, so go check them out. Maybe watch them. Those are all the running backs that I had. Justice, what kind of wide receivers do you have for the
1: – Now, most of these guys I, we've already talked about tonight. Um, so the first one's Eric Brooks, Fresno State. He's only owned in, in uh, 6% six percent of your leagues. But, um, you know, he, he. we talked about earlier he was uh, – you know, got the targets, got the yards. Yard, and so he, he's someone you can look at on your waiver wire. Waiver wire,
0: Fresno State. For anybody who does not yeah, remember, State.
1: Uh, next up is Marquis Shoulders from Tulsa. Tulsa, I get sometimes they get Tulsa and Toledo mixed up.
0: Yes, um, I, I get Tulsa and Tulane mixed up. I, I
1: the uh Marquis Shoulder was was their, their leading receiver. He's only owned in uh two percent of leagues. He caught five of six targets for so 132 yards and two touchdowns. And he looks like maybe the wide receiver one there and the wide receiver one in territory has been productive. That's Keelan Stokes has been there in the past Um I think many people expected um, to be Malachi Jones or I Nick Herbert, and it was neither of those. Either uh, either uh, shoulders, shoulders is most likely available in your leagues. available in your leagues. This next gentleman we talked about earlier, about, about earlier, and that's Jamal about Bell. Jamal Bell he's only on 1% of the league. 1% of league. Clearly their top uh, their in top, the, passing uh, uh, game, the passing game Nevada. In Nevada. This will probably be the last time I would expect to be able to say this gentleman's name as a waiver wire ad for being under 30% owned, and that's Pafali Ashlock at Hawaii. Hawaii. Again, he's the wide receiver one for that run-and-shoot offense. What are we waiting
0: for, guys? We've seen two games. We've seen it in two games. He's produced two games. Go out and pick him up.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Next up is Jamori or Jay Macklin from North Texas. Texas, uh, he's only owned in four percent of the league. He didn't get a high amount of volume, get but of volume, he did. But he did a lot with that volume. I want to say he like, four catches, had like four, four catches for a hundred yards, yards or so, yards or so, something like that. Um, and that North Texas offense, if you're not familiar, is. Moore, now is the OC who was the, the head coach. He was the OC at Washington State. Previous to that, he was the head coach at Incarnate Word. And so that's an offense that I'm interested in, and Macklin looks like to be the wide receiver to own there.
0: Yeah, so he had four receptions, seven targets, 122 yards, and two touchdowns with an eight out of 14.9.
1: Yeah, he, he's he's electric. He, he's an elusive guy. Next up is Robert Lewis of Georgia State, and it looks like he's kind of stepping into that uh, wide receiver one role that was vacated when Jamari Thrash transferred to Louisville. Lewis is only owned in 7% of your league. He has seven of his eight targets for 97 yards and a Touchdown. And so, I mean, so, I think you can pencil him in as the wide receiver one there. I don't necessarily know that he will get, I don't necessarily know that he will, he will get produce like Thrash did, but, it, but I, think thrashed, I think you can expect like thrashed, probably 90% thrashed, of that, maybe. 90% of that, maybe. It's still pretty good production. It's still pretty good production. Yep. Uh, next up uh, is, uh, Justin next is Justin so Charles Simmons, who is the Simmons? other receiver at Colorado it's State pretty, behind Corey Harton. He's only owned in ten percent of leagues. He caught five of seven targets for 123 yards and one touchdown. Um, if you're in a dynasty league, this man needs to be owned, right? Uh, because Horton, I believe, is gone after this year, and he's going to be the man stepping up after that. Next up, we talked about him earlier. That's Joey Hoder from Texas State. Um, he's a transfer. He came in from. He was an FCS All-American. Prior to that, he was a receiver at Washington State. But he caught six of eight targets for 105 yards and a touchdown. And he, he's you know, and he's in a high-volume passing offense there at Texas State. Definitely someone I'd be interested in. Someone I'd be interested in. Next up is Damir Blakumta from Memphis. He is a transfer. Transfer. And he came, was it Toledo, Toledo or Tulsa? Toledo or Tolsa. I get them mixed up. I don't remember. I believe name. it's Toledo. Toledo. Uh, but anyway, he's at Memphis now. And as we talked about Seth Hennigan earlier with that, earlier, that crazy game in terms of yards and attempts, attempts. So Buc- Bucumso was his number uh one preferred target. He caught all six of his targets for 98 yards and a touchdown. He's only owned in 3% of leagues and fan trackers. This next Again, something that I had
0: I had mentioned uh, in one of my Substacks here about the Tiger Kings of Memphis, and I talked about Blankenship because he was uh, he was my call here for a high floor and a high ceiling. He is what I quoted as uh, or deemed the Tiger King um, there in that. So if you want to go check that out. I uh, broke down kind of Memphis's offense and, and what to expect. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect how great they were in week one. We'll see how week two goes, but somebody to monitor. So, we got one
1: more guy before we talk about tight ends, but I was a little disappointed in, in how Landfair looked for Memphis, especially given all those passing yards and attempts. Yards and attempts. Yeah. All right, the the last receiver. Um, this gentleman came on really strong at the end of last year, and that's Tyrone Hall from UL Monroe. He's only owned in six percent of leagues. But he is he is their offense. Like he is their offense. He had nine of he caught nine of fourteen targets for sixty-seven yards and a touchdown. Um, if you are in a PPR league, you could do a lot worse than adding him. The yardage might not always be there, but, man, he he gets the targets, and that's huge in a PPR league. That's huge in a PPR league.
0: And then we're going to end our waiver targets here with our tight ends. So I'm going to talk about Cade Conley there for the herd. talked about him above. He's only owned in 1% of leagues. Dallin Holker, 15% owned. That needs to get bumped up. A uh, nice A dot there, Tanner Colsey. This better be the last time we talked about him at twenty six percent. Shocking
1: to see him only twenty six percent.
0: I couldn't believe it. Like, there's no way we can talk about him or another guy on here. David Martin Robinson. I thought there was so much hype around those two. He's eighteen yeah. percent owned. So let's let's bump up those uh, shares. And the last guy I want to talk about here is Mark Redmond from uh, San Diego State University. He has. He averages so two games he's got two games under his belt. He averages uh, three receptions and three and a half uh, targets a game, and gets 34.5 yards. And he's got two touchdowns already on the year. Um, and he's got an eight out of 12. So I think that is something to monitor. He's out there running routes, uh, and of his uh, two touchdowns, he was targeted in the end zone four times in in week one zero so those are our guys to to pick up you know we just spit a lot of information out you at you as much actionable information that we can pack in we're running at about an hour hour 15 this is uh there's a lot of information and we'd love to hear any feedback that you guys have for us if there's stuff that you would like to hear more of less of how we change things up. We're evergreen episode two of the G five hive more to come. We want to, like I said, just give you guys as much actionable information we can about the G five. Justice, anything you want to say before we uh, get out of here? And one thing I do want to mention
1: when we talk about all these stats. um, So we're looking at PFF and so, If you don't know, PFF charts their own games. So their stats are going to be a little bit different than, say, like what ESPN shows or, um, you know, some other websites that you may go to look up uh, college football stats. Even fan um, tracks. Yeah, yeah, just keep that in mind that, you know, that's what we're using is PFFs just because they have the advanced statistics, um, you know, and they're not a sponsor of ours, but I, I would certainly encourage, if you don't have a PFF subscription, I would certainly encourage anyone to do it. Um, I think it's like 90 bucks, 88 bucks, something like that. And it's, it's a wealth of information, both NFL and NCAA data that you can get.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Next week, we'll go full bore again, just like this week, with that sweet, sweet nectar on the G5 from Week 2 games and bring you all of the news that you, the Swarm, can find concerning g5 news thanks for supporting please subscribe retweet tweet it out leave a five-star review we're available we're right now we're live on youtube we're live on twitter we are out on spotify to be determined here on uh, google Podcasts. we're approved we're just waiting for it to uh, be distributed out of there not sure what's going on there and still waiting to hear back from Apple Podcasts. So Apple Podcasts pending. We need to get uh, Apple on there because uh, a lot of people listen to podcasts there on Apple. But I'm wor- I'm I'm working my emails. Uh, we're we're gonna get that going. So that will be it for us tonight. I'm Luke Provasco. That's Justice. Yep. yep.
1: We'll see you next week.
0: See you next week biz
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>